the Royals have been good enough to own April's best record and also baseball's longest losing streak, all in the first quarter of the season. On today's Sports Beat KC, we talk about how the Royals could be so good and bad in a matter of 40 games with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam Mellinger. It's Tuesday, May 18th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We start by talking about the latest game, the walk-off loss to the Chicago White Sox, and the role of instant replay. We also get into the pitching of Wade Davis and the bullpen. But there's plenty of positive going on with the Royals as well. I think they would take three-run homers by Salvador Perez in successive games anytime. So, with three-quarters of the season remaining, let's talk Royals with Lynn and Sam. Hey, good morning from Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, where we talk Royals, whether they have the best record in baseball or the longest losing streak. Of course, those have happened. Uh, both of those have happened in the season's first 40 games. We talk with the folks uh, from the Star who know the team's best. Let's see who is here today. Beat writer Lynn Worthy is checking in. So is columnist Sam Mellinger. Good morning, guys. What's up? Good, good morning. Hey, and we talk Royals with you. Please, please send us your questions and comments and join in the conversation. Big thanks to the University of Kansas Medical System as our presenting sponsor. You will hear from KU Med later in the show. So, 40 games in, the Royals are 18 and 22. That projects to 72 or 73 victories, about where many people believe this team was going to be when the season started. But how they have gotten here is pretty wild. Best record in baseball at the end of April, but starting, I think it was May 2nd, they started their 11-game skid. That was the longest for the Royals since 2012. They finally broke the streak in the first game of that doubleheader against the White Sox. Um, But when they had a chance to win the series, they blew the ninth-inning lead, and Chicago walked off. So just like this season, the Royals gave us uh, the good and the bad in Sunday's game, plus us, a little added bonus, some confusion. So, Lynn, you were there. Um, Let's, uh, you know, we we probably – Shouldn't spend a lot of time talking about one game, but it was the latest game, and there, um, and, and, and it did leave an impression certainly with Mike Matheny. Um, take us through the, the the just describe the final play, what you saw, and then we're going to hear from Mike Matheny in just a moment. Sure, sure, and and like I mean, it was one game, but it was also the context of that is you know they just snapped the losing streak. They were getting. They were looking like they had a chance to take three out of four from the White Sox, who were who had the best record in baseball going into the series, who they hadn't taken the series from since 2019, and so they go into the ninth inning with the lead. Um, they turn to Wade Davis, which I have a feeling we'll get to later, and um, Davis has to face the top of the lineup with a one-run lead. You know, Tim Anderson doubles. They uh, they move him over, um, and then there was. Um, See the single from Mancada scores him, so that's a tie ball game. And Davis gets two strikes on Abreu and hits him. And then you've got, uh, you know, your mean Mercedes who's been looking like, you know, freaking Babe Ruth here since, since he's in his rookie year. Um, hits a single, and Mancada tries to score him. And Witt, who I think had still only – this was still maybe his second game in the outfield, throws him out at the plate. And on the play – Abreu goes all the way to third, which actually I I didn't realize it at the time, but Abreu was running so hard that he, 
there was something was going to happen on that play because if Mankata ran ran through a stop sign, but if he hadn't, they were going to have an issue because Abreu might not have been able to stop before third. But that's just beside the point. Um, but he ends up on third, and so then with him on third, Davis wild pitch ball in the dirt. Cam Gallagher blocks it. Um, Abreu breaks for home. Gallagher picks it up and decides to try and dive instead of throwing away Davis, which is probably the smart play. And in guaranteed right field, the press box is not behind home plate. So we're actually behind like first base. So as I'm looking at it, I didn't think that he actually had got him in real time. I couldn't tell, but I didn't think he got there in time. It wasn't until the replay that I realized that he got there in time. It was a matter of whether or not he got the tag on there. The Royals certainly believe he got the tag on there. And Abreu definitely didn't get the plate until his hand came through, which is after his body sort of slid by. Um, but he was ruled safe. The replay review said that it was the call stands. So they did not say that it was, you know, confirmed by video evidence. It was stands. And the Royals were so sure that they were going to get another chance to, to play in extra innings that Whit Merrifield was already on deck, had his batting helmet on, was taking practice swings when the officials said safe and walked past him. And Whit was like, what are you talking about? Game over. Yeah, so, so much to talk about just in that that sequence. But let's let's start with um, uh, the, the call itself. And uh, well, let's I tell you what. Let, let's go to Mike Matheny. Here's what Lynn you said that uh, Matheny didn't agree. The Royals certainly didn't agree. Mike Matheny absolutely did not agree. And here's here's what he had to say. There's a lot that happened in that game, and I just have to make a point: the fact that if we're going to use video replay. Uh, there needs to be some accountability. I just walked in here and had two different camera angles with this guy out, tagged before he ever even touched the plate, and very obvious. So I don't know what they're doing, if they're backing each other up, whatever it is, it's uh, it's wrong. Game that hard played, uh, that well fought all the way to the end, and they've got the opportunity to take that much time. And, you know, from appearances, it looks like they don't want to bring them back out on the field while they're here with this crowd, and it's just wrong, and uh, something needs to be done about it. Go ahead with your questions. Mike, did, did, did they give you an explanation? Did they say you missed the tag, or what, yeah. what did they tell you? They didn't say anything. Annie? Mike, wh where did you see him uh, make the tag? Was it as he was coming in, or did he go over the, the plate at first? He got him. He didn't go over the plate, never did touch it until his hand came through later and the tag was already placed on his jersey. You can see the jersey move when he tagged him in the body. Okay, a couple things I really liked about that. First of all, go ahead with your questions. <laughs> That's the uh, most demonstrative I've seen, Mike Matheny. And, um, you know, and he, and he suggested that the umpires are backing each other up. Sam, Sam. What's happening here? So I, I, I know that it's 2021 and nobody's got time for nuance, um, but here I go anyway. Um, I don't think it was that obvious on the replay. Um, I think he may have tagged him. Uh, I think he may have not tagged him. I, I, I didn't see any clear image of just an obvious tag. So to me, whether the call on the field was safe or out, that's a situation where it's probably going to stand. Um, so I, I, it's, I guess it's a weird example in my eyes to make a really good point, <laughs> which is uh, accountability, hundred um, percent. What he said there, I thought the most 
interesting part of that to me was uh, I don't I can't remember exactly how he said it, but I don't know if they're backing each other up. You know, basically right. implying umpires protecting umpires. Right. Which I think absolutely happens. I look this up, you know, they track everything. And at least on baseball savant, they've got um, for last last season, only 44 percent of challenges overturned calls. To me, just logically, that's a really low number because teams are not challenging in, you know, umpires give you a, a second you know, to, to decide whether you want to challenge and teams aren't challenging until they've seen that replay a couple times and feel pretty sure about it. Um, so to me, that number should probably be high. Like teams are incentivized not to challenge some, some exceptions, uh, teams are incentivized not to challenge unless they're pretty sure. So that, that number should be higher. It just seems logical, logical that umpires are protecting umpires. About a month ago, I asked Mike Matheny that exact question. Um, it was the, I came here as Philly's Braves or Phillies Mets game. Do you remember there, there, there was a play at the plate that was just. Yeah, I, I remember you asking it too. I was waiting to see if you were going to bring that up, but I remember you asking. Yeah. And, and he, he was very, it was probably an unfair question, to be honest with you, just because it's like, here's something that happened in a game that you have nothing to do with. Uh, and here's an opportunity to get fined. Your comments, you know, like, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. But he basically said, no, I don't believe that that happens. I really don't. You know, these guys are measured and they've got bonuses and all this stuff on the line. Um, but the feeling's a little bit different when it happens to your team. Right. But um, I, I do think there should be more accountability. Um, and, and I think there should be an independent board. I don't think it should be umpires judging the calls of umpires. I, I think there should be some sort of independent board. I know there's complications in that, but, um, you know, some unintended consequences. But I think that would help. It would help appearances, if nothing else, because 44%, there's a lot more of these calls that should be getting overturned. Yeah, somewhere between those two camera angles that he saw, he supposedly saw, that he had to change a heart there, Sam. I was, I was <laughs> thinking about that. Uh, when you asked that, and he took the very diplomatic approach to answering your question when, whenever that was a couple of weeks back, but um, there was no diplomacy after the game on Sunday. <laughs> no, 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 there was And And look, like I, I think Mike um, – is, is protecting his guys. He's standing up for his guys. There, there's some sort of, it's not showmanship, because I think he really genuinely believes that his team got screwed there. But, um, you know, there's just an element of, of that's what that's what the manager's supposed to do. He's supposed to stand up for his guys. Because I guarantee you in that clubhouse, they were pissed, you know, and, and they were probably throwing things and saying words that we can't on this show and all that. So I think, Mike, there, there's some just kind of standing up for him. But the, the broader point, I mean, absolutely, there should be some more accountability. Uh, and I'll say this, the accountability should go both ways. Uh, there should be accountability for people that complain about correct calls <laughs> as well. You know, uh, it, it needs to go both ways. Well, a couple things. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that uh, Mike Matheny uh, said that you know that, that he thought the tag was on the shirt, but Cam Gallagher said he thought he got him on the on the pan on the leg. So there was a little bit of a conflict of where where the tag if if there was a tag and. Um, and the other thing, it, you know, the, the the tag on the shirt, I did see a Braves jersey, you know, have a little bit of a movement flap. And uh, but I couldn't tell from the replay whether it was the tag or not or just in the in the motion of his of him sliding. So it, as Lynn said, look, a, a difficult call. I'm, I was I would have been surprised if it was if it was overturned. But the, it was the circumstances that the Royals have found themselves in and put themselves in that made it all the more difficult. Um, and one of those circumstances was using Wade Davis in a leverage situation in the ninth, basically because there, there weren't 
there just weren't many options, Lynn, were there? I mean, what was what was uh, when when Greg Holland went more than one to you know to get him to the ninth? They were down to like Wade Davis and and who else? Well, they had Tyler Zuber had warmed up before Davis warmed up. So um, now we're and, and Matheny didn't actually you know obviously he doesn't he won't say before a game who's down because he doesn't want the other team to know. Um, but you just look at it and you say, well, Barlow had pitched back to back days, and I think the second of those back to back days he had thrown over thirty pitches. Um, Stallman had pitched three out of four days. Um, and so you're, you're the two, those two guys obviously would have been your, you, the guys that you would go to in a high leverage situation. Zuber has been most of this season. So the guy that he goes to, to get you out of an inning to get to the next guy. So like, you know, a starter is having trouble. They need to get out of that inning and then bring in the guy who's either going to go long or to, you know, sort of shut it down for an inning plus while they try and get things righted. Um, that's what they've been using Zuber as for most of the season. Um, so I think Matheny sort of looked at, you know, whether it was Zuber, um, I'm thinking you probably, and you know, you're still only a run away from extra innings. So you, there's going to be one guy who you sort of save if you have to play in a, another inning. So I'm thinking, you know, Urban Santana was probably, uh, available, hadn't pitched in a couple of days, but that was going to be the, if we got to go extra innings and we need somebody to just keep going, that he was probably that guy. Um, so you're down to Zuber, Jake Newberry, who had just been called up, who, um, had some tough outings this year. Uh, Davis, who, you know, I think as Matheny alluded to in his postgame comments, they sort of leaned on the fact that he'd done it before. And then I'm not sure if Jake Brents was available or not. I think by, just looking by workload, you would think he probably was, but I don't know if there was some, you know, whether there was analytics or something like that, that they were like, yeah, we're not going to go to him today. So it was, you know, probably Zuber, Newberry, Davis, and, you know, maybe Brents, but I, I'm thinking that it probably wasn't because I feel like they might have gone to him. Um, but of those guys, the guys with the experience and the guys who had done it before, obviously was Davis, and that's what he went with. But Davis had he had some rough outings this year. I mean, his ERA was above seven, I think, when they brought him in. Yeah, look, I remember in spring training, he had a couple of good good weeks, didn't he, Sam? I mean, he he there there was some Wade Davis of old and surprise this year. Got my hopes up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the the period that I was there three, four, five days, whatever it was, must have overlapped with like the best that Wade Davis was. I mean, the, the ball was just popping out of his hand and, and nothing was going straight. Um, he, he looked really good and you kind of thought, okay, like maybe these last few seasons, because he hasn't really been effective since like 2017 or so. I mean, it's it, it's been a while since he's been really good. And um, yeah, I mean, he's just, I, I just, I, I go back to this too, like with the, with the thing at the plate, 50-50 call not getting overturned, you know, I, I've said this before, you know, like complaining about officiating is the ballot of the loser. And, you know, nobody ever like blames or, you know, credits a win, you know, like, wow, we really got lucky with some calls there. Um, to me, I think the Royals deserve to lose that game. If, if that's what you put in there, if, if you're if your guy in the ninth inning goes double sack bunt, single, single hit by pitch, wild pitch. I mean, I. <laughs> You, you don't deserve to win that game, you know, and and that was accumulation, right? Like Lynn just referenced it. That was uh, what was it? Seven games in six days, right? Uh, and and they've got you know you would have loved to have Zimmer in that situation, right? Or maybe even Jesse Hahn, or you know, like, like there's some guys that are just not available that that you would have liked to have had in that situation. So they that was always going to be a tough game for them to win when their best two relievers are, are are you know are out. And this is you know starters need to go longer. 
they need to get some guys healthy. They need to get some more depth in that bullpen. I mean, that, that's just, there's a lot of things going against them. I get the frustration, but um, you know, the umpires did not lose that game for the Royals. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, look, I'll, I'll throw this out there that, um, you know, Holland, did, when he pitched the eighth, he, he faced six batters, right? He walked two of them. So if Holland is a little more efficient in the eighth, Wade Davis isn't starting with the top of the order in the ninth. You know, maybe, That's a good point. Yep. You know, maybe, maybe Wade Davis gets eight, nine, and one instead of one, two, three, and, and, uh, and it looks a little different. So, And the other thing is, and, and this is easily explained, but you know, Josh Stalmont pitched the ninth inning of a five-to-one game the day before. So you're thinking, why does he use Stalmont in, in, in that? And it's, look, he was, when he got up to throw, I think this, it was a safe situation. It was four-to-one. And, um, and and you and you would use your closer then, and and you're not gonna you know you're not gonna uh, get, get them you know get them all sweaty and and then and then not use them and get someone else up really quick. So dry that, hump is the term you're looking for there, Blair. You don't want to dry hump the guy. Is, is really that the looking for? Is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not prime time, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, <laughs> with that, good time to take a break. And when we come back, there are some positives that came out of the the Chicago series. We'll talk about those as well. And the look ahead to what's coming up next for the Royals. The Kansas City Royals lineup is backed up by the region's strongest team in healthcare. The University of Kansas Health System. We both suit up with one goal in mind, to win. The University of Kansas Health System, official healthcare provider of the Royals. Back with Sam Mellinger and Lynn Worthy. Uh, we're talking Royals, of course. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know what, Lynn? I'll take uh, three run homers from Salvador Perez in back to back games uh, all the time. Uh, had he had a he had a really nice series. It was nine RBIs against the White Sox, or maybe it was the road trip. Nine RBIs, but uh, he seemed to rediscover. And maybe the you know the, the most 
you know, shocking plate appearance was he drew a walk. Yeah, he's at, uh, I believe he's at four or five already this season. He had uh, three in the, uh, I guess really only played 37 games last year. But um, yeah, so Salvi, the, the patient Salvi is by comparison, not by comparison to himself, not necessarily by comparison to say, you know, Carlos Santana, but um, the more patient Salvi uh, we're seeing and then the home runs. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he just moved into sixth place on the world's all-time list. Um He's been, you know, one of the guys you can count on that lineup, um, at least recently and definitely on this road trip. Um, but that was definitely encouraging to see the offense had struggled through that losing streak. It was runs were hard to come by. Hits with guys in scoring position were non-existent for a stretch there. So when you get, a, you know, that big three-run home run, um, you know, that, that first game that broke the losing streak, they were already up, I think it was 2-1 when he hits the three run home run and gives that fist pump coming around first base. And it was sort of like, they going to win this game. Like, you know, it was, it was, you know, after 11 straight losses, like, Oh, they, they, you know, it was, you could tell Salvi was feeling it. I asked him about it afterwards and he just said, Oh, well, you know, every time you hit a home run, you're sort of pumped up. But then he did say, well, and then in that circumstances that we were in, it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, 11 straight, you start to smell a victory, especially in a seven inning game. It was, he was feeling it. Right, seven innings were big for the, for the Royals in that game. And then you, know, you talk about his patience as a hitter. Was it was the the next three run homer was it off of Giolito where he the ball was about a foot over his head and he went to yeah. Work. Well, well the, the first one was Giolito. The other one was yeah. The other it was off of uh, I think it was Rodon. Cease. Right? Oh, Rodon. That's right, Rodon. Oh, Rodon. Right. Yeah, Nin, Ninety six out of the zone and off the plate. <laughs> <laughs> and in the post game, I remember asking him, I was like, Salvi, normally I would ask if you were looking for a certain pitch. I said, but I don't know how anybody looks for a pitch in that spot in the situation. And he just started laughing. <laughs> that pitch is impossible to hit. It's yeah, impossible. That's exactly the pitch that he, because it was an 0 2 pitch, right? Or 1 2? It was 0 2. Uh, it was definitely two strikes. I know it was yeah. two strikes. And you I see mean, Rodon's reaction afterwards, too. He's yeah. just watching Sam around the bases like, what in the. <laughs> I mean, if, if Rodon could, if, if he could have paid Salvi $1,000 to swing at that pitch, he would have. You know, like there's no way. If, if he hits it, it's going to be a pop out to, you know, behind first base or whatever. <laughs> and he hits it 360 feet or whatever. That was. Um, Salvi, Salvi can get you outside the zone. Uh, you know, and and I remember I've probably told this story before, but like the the Royals coaches uh, had been, you know, really working on Salvi to just lay off terrible pitches. Like, you know, they've given up an inch or two outside the zone. He's going to swing, but just a foot or two outside the zone, lay off those. And then the 2014 wildcard game happened and he hits that pitch. I'm like, whoop, whoop. he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. My way. We're yeah, gonna do this, my this way. is out of our hands at this point. <laughs> um, Lynn, you mentioned the starting pitching. It's, it came back. Um, it has come back a little bit. Uh, some really, really encouraging effort by Mike Miner and Keller uh, was the starter when the, when the streak ended. So Brady Singer threw well on, on Sunday um, all of this is important now because uh, of the news yesterday. Tell us what happened yesterday. Yeah, the Royals announced that they were putting Danny Duffy on the injured list with a uh, left forearm uh, flexor strain. So he's, I mean, 
if you just go by, you know, the timing on the injury list, he's going to be out at least this week and flexor strain. I mean, unless it was about as mild as can be, it's pro- you, you're thinking it's probably going to be weeks as opposed to a week um, that you're going to have him out because it was it was backdated. So that's why I say like, I think they put it back to the 14th. So in theory, it could be a week when he's eligible, but I, I wouldn't expect that he's going to be off as soon as he's eligible. So um, which makes it interesting what the starting rotation is going to look like. Now, we know um, before that they had already announced that Chris Bubich was going to pitch um, Tuesday's game and Brad Keller Wednesday. Um, they actually have a little room here to manipulate things because they had the off day on Monday, an off day on Thursday, and another off day coming on Monday. Um, it would be interesting to see if they push things till Sunday because, I mean, you you still have, you know, you still you have four starters, and then if you depend on what you want to do with Jake Junis, if you put him back in the rotation, then you have your five. If that comes at the same time that Kyle Zimmer comes off of the DL, I mean, the IL, then maybe he goes back into the bullpen and, you know, that that sort of solves itself. Um, but we're not 100% sure that Zimmer's coming off. I mean, Mike Bethenia said the other day before all this that uh, things were going in the right direction for that, but um, they haven't made that roster move yet. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, there. That's more more onus in the starter rotation without the guy who had been the workhorse, the guy who had thrown into the sixth inning. And I think five of his uh, or six of his seven starts, he'd gone at least into the sixth and he'd gone six full. And I think four of those starts uh, or, and had, you know, three quality starts at least. I mean, I think through five starts this season, his ERA was under one. I mean, this is this, you know, as much as, Everybody thinks Keller is going to be the ace, and he was the opening day starter. The guy who'd been anchoring the rotation is Danny Duffy, and now he's gone. Yeah, he was the Royals pitcher of the month for April. Uh, One ninety-four ERA, forty-eight Ks in forty-one and two-thirds innings, and seems like every game he pitches, he's surpassing someone on the Royals' career strikeout list. So um, tough. And look, he's been injury prone, right? I mean, he's. Um, it, it seems like he goes through uh, some, something, some some kind of injury every, every season. But but he, he's also a workhorse. Look, he's he's always around tw- anywhere from twenty four to twenty eight starts for the Royals, and uh, he'll he'll miss probably as, as you mentioned, Lynn, he'll miss a couple maybe. But uh, um, uh, I, I expect him to be back, and uh, and hopefully he regain when he does come back, he regains the form of of, of the early season, Danny Duffy. So. Sam, let me ask you this. So we started this show with uh, the, 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 you know, the, the Royals on either end of the spectrum, the best record in April, and then the longest losing streak in baseball all in 40 games. Can this team be good? I mean, it, did, it, it was really ugly in that 11-game losing streak. They lost in many different ways. But they, they, you know, they, they won you know, in, in some heart-stopping fashion in April. Um, could, could, can this team be good? I think so. <laughs> uh, I, you know, and even through, it's weird to say that about a team, like you said, that's won twice in two weeks now, right? Um, but <laughs> the Duffy thing is a big deal um, because the, the best way for them to get better quick is for the, the starters to, to go longer. That That's really been killing them. You know, they, they've had uh, just way too many guys go two and a third or, you know, what it, it, you just can't burn through pitchers like that and, and especially I think that Mike Matheny uses a lot of relievers anyway um, which is not 
necessarily a criticism. I mean, he's trying to win every game and there, there's more of an urgency, I think, than there's been in the past. So that's not a criticism. But, you know, those two things can't really coexist very well, you know, of, of using a lot of relievers, even if they go six, but then also needing a lot of relievers because sometimes you guys go two and a third. So the, the Duffy injury is, is, is bad. And, you know, but on the other hand, like I, I keep thinking about this um, and I know people are sick of hearing about it, but whenever Modesty comes back, which should be a week or so, I don't know. Um, he's going to drastically change the team. Um, he's going to make them way better defensively. He's going to make them better offensively too. Um, that's a guy that can carry the team for a couple of weeks. You know, if he gets hot, with the bat, um, Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be up at some point. I'm not saying he's Mike Trout, but they will get more athletic. They'll get faster. They'll, you know, all these things. They're, you know, they're a team that should be getting better as the season goes on. Jackson Kowar, I would imagine, will be up at some point. You know, um, Alec Marsh is kind of a guy that I hear some things about. I don't, Lynn probably hears more or less. You know, but you know, they, they've got some guys that they can bring up. You know, eventually, and that, that's that's what I keep thinking about here. And then also, um, they really don't have. You know, I mean, Duffy, but I mean, again, there's not somebody that's like overperforming that's carrying them that you're expecting to, to go off a cliff. And if anything, it's the other way. And, um, you know, Hunter Dozier's that secondary, you know, sort of the, the supporting metrics of, of contact quality and, and exit velocity and all these things just say that he should be hitting a lot. His numbers, his production numbers should be a lot better. So um, I do. I, I believe that they're a team that, that can get better. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to win the division. The White Sox clearly have a lot more talent. Um, than the Royals, but yeah, I, I, I believe it. Um, despite the 11 games in a row, I, I do think that they can be a good team. So there's another one in that category of yeah. somebody who we certainly yeah. perform to expect to perform better. One thing that's striking to me so far, uh, are the Minnesota twins right now with the worst record in baseball, that is hard to, to believe. And so look, if, if, uh, not, not that the Royals, um, uh, own the Tigers by any stretch of the imagination, but based on the last time we saw Royals play Detroit. But, you know, maybe victory opportunities await with the Twins that maybe the, the Royals, we couldn't expect for the Royals. And, and that could, uh, uh, at least when you're, when, you're trying to, when you're trying to come up with reasons why the record can be better or why they can outplay their winning percentage right now, that's, that's at least one of them. So, anyway, all right, you guys. I have really enjoyed this conversation today, and um, and, and let's uh, let's uh, let's let's get out of here. Um, look, I want to thank Beth Welsh, our, our producer, and today's assistant producer, Candy Bolden, for uh, for being here. Uh, Lynn Worthy has a uh, preview of the Royals Brewers series that starts tonight, two game set at Kauffman Stadium. That's on KansasCity.com. Mellinger minutes also chock full of uh, great stuff on uh, on kansascity.com and sam sam we have surpassed the uh the one-year anniversary of the podcast have we not we have yeah yeah a few weeks back um, congratulations man that's that's fantastic it's been a wild ride um you know like i say like whenever there's a global pandemic that's when you got to start your sports only podcast <laughs> the best timing to do it absolutely absolutely so Okay, you guys, and thank you for uh, for tuning in, and we'll do it again next Tuesday right here. Join us, and uh, have a good morning. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Thanks to Lynn Worthy and Sam Mellinger for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you. 
you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus many more stories that appear only on the website. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And what a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and much more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.